When it comes to work, communication is key. Even if you don't have a writing job, sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at grammarly.com slash podcast. It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do. Try some random exercises. Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Bidon, joined as always by the fantasy master Lothario himself, Gray Albright. How's it going over there, Gray? Hey, uh, pretty good there, Bidon. I had uh, I had the whole place to myself this weekend because uh, Coogs was out of town, so I uh, I turned the house into a brothel. Oh, nice, nice. How'd that go? Was it was it uh, <laughs> pretty good? A, a yeah, good and, then, uh, and then once I got all the uh, once I got all the uh, sex workers um, uh, uh, unionized uh, because I believe in unions, um, I did uh, a little uh, dance where I came out to Bob Seger. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, does one of you have to stay home so that homeless people don't just invade your house randomly? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Spoken like someone who doesn't live in L.A. I mean, what is wrong? You're watching too much Fox News, B-Don. <laughs> yes, we actually, uh, Francine, could you move off the couch while I'm doing the podcast? Yeah, we have a we have a homeless person right now. A live-in, yeah. She yeah, keeps the rest of them at bay. Unhoused, unhoused person, B-Don, please. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's go ahead and get into baseball then. Um, you know, we had uh, Otani got lit up against the Yankees. 
And then there was the issue where apparently Tucker Barnhart had also kind of maybe been worried about them tipping their pitches and kind of doing fake uh, nods and 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 nose and moving the glove around and everything. Um, are you worried? I mean, we're we're already kind of sitting bats against the Yankees or pitchers against the Yankees, anyways. But is there something that we need to worry about here a little bit more with with the Yankees potentially getting signs? And I guess more specifically, Otani. Are you worried at all that Otani is maybe p- tipping his pitches? Hey, welcome back to Talking Yanks. Uh, we're brought our, by our sponsor, Quip. Uh, yeah, no, I, you know, I don't really, uh, I don't think I would start Otani as a pitcher, really, in just about. Like the good thing is when he, uh, when he was, uh, quote unquote, potentially tipping pitches. I don't even know if he was. Um, he was. Uh, it was a doubleheader, so that was an automatic start for me for uh, him as a hitter. Uh, and in Yankee Stadium, I probably wouldn't have been starting Otani as a pitcher anyway. So the uh, I think the really the, the nice thing is like with Otani, you don't have to start him as a pitcher. <laughs> like you you aren't like and you probably shouldn't in a lot of cases. Like he's been fine. Like don't get me wrong. Like his pitching's been decent. I don't think he's uh, you know he's not unstartable. But if you have the choice of looking at him as a pitcher or a hitter, I mean. I think that's an easy call because he's just such a such a tremendous hitter. And really, you're drafting him for the hitting and the pitching is kind of like icing. So I don't I don't know if I'd ever really start him as a pitcher if uh, if the matchup wasn't like really good. Like if he's against the A's, like, sure, I'll take the, you know, potential seven innings, 13 K's Uh, if he's against. Like the Diamondbacks or uh, the Rangers. Well, the Rangers, yeah, Rangers are while while they have spent a lot of money, they're not really that great of an offense. So yeah, like there's certain matchups where I probably would go with Otani as a pitcher, but for the most part, I would just be looking at him as a hitter. And especially in weekly leagues, it's a no-brainer for him to be a utility bat. I don't even. Yeah. I I would never even like even if it was a two-start week for him as a pitcher, I'd probably still start him as a hitter. I really can't. I can't imagine starting him as a pitcher as a in a weekly bat situation. But, yeah, I mean, and then the other thing you mentioned uh, with Tucker Barnhart uh, later in the week, uh, Elvin Rodriguez was supposedly tipping his pitches, I believe. Um, you know, what's interesting to me is the fact that the Yankees are managed to figure out how a pitcher is tipping their pitches but not cheating, not, not cheating. Let's be, you know, let's be uh, straight here. <laughs> you know, the Yankees managed to figure out a way to quote unquote, not cheat. Uh, okay. Sure. I mean, what are they, they have like 18 cameras drained on the pitcher. They have probably the top guys in the clubhouse watching every single move. You think Josh Donaldson's really the one who's like, Hey, look at me. I'm on first base. Uh, oh, wow. I figured out the picture. Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. It wasn't, it wasn't the team of video guys in the clubhouse who are watching every single picture and what they do, who are like trained to, uh, you know, pick up any pitchers tipping, uh, tipping their hand. Like, of course, of course, I mean, and every team is doing this. Don't get me wrong. So, like, it's just, I mean, it's pretty remarkable when you're able to, uh, you know, see it 
live and in action like when uh, a pitcher is tipping their pitches it's re- it is really cool to see when it's explained to you but i mean all teams are looking for this it's just not you know the yankees just happen to have uh you know a large social media following so it, it's you know broadcast out to the world but i'm sure there's probably at least one pitcher a day who is you know tipping their pitches you know, on a full slate of games, obviously, not when there's only three games like this Monday or whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> Good schedule, MLB. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, but I, I do think, you know, it's kind of fun to see a pitcher when they're actually live and tipping their pitches. But I bet that happens so much. It's just we don't know about it. And I, I would I would think, except for maybe the Pirates, because they're cheap. I would assume most teams have a guy dedicated to just watching pitchers and being like, holy crap, this guy's tipping his pitches. Notify the coaches so they can tell the players. Like, it's it's obvious once you, you know, like, if you're looking for it, I mean, anyone would find if If John Boy can find it, anyone can find it <laughs> if they're looking for it, you know? So anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's just uh, something that's uh, come up recently. I just want to discuss that real quick. While we're on the Angels, though, there's a couple other you know worthy players that I think we should discuss. Mike Trout, he's in an 0-for-26 slump right now while the Angels are on this road trip. They haven't been winning on the road trip. Um, are you worried at all about Trout, or you just assume everything will be fine? You know, they're getting home this week. More like Mike Drought, huh? Huh? <laughs> Drought? See what I did there? Um, I am looking at Mike Trout stats for the first time right now, uh, and I see nothing really. Honestly, I—I I mean, the K's are are down a little bit from last year. Uh, last year was a weird year for him, though. It's real small sample. Um, but his his K's are, I guess his K's are up a little bit from like 2019, but not bad. His walks look like they're down, which is weird for him because that was always something. Like even when he was, uh, you know, struggling with K's, he would always find a way to walk. But his OD, OBP is is 378 uh, as a recording of this, so that's that's pretty far down for him. He's usually like a a 430 or higher OBP guy. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't look great. Uh, that, I mean, that could, you know, when a guy's in a slump, though, none of his stats Nothing are ever going to look great. Yeah. So, you know, and the fact that his stats still look pretty good and he's in a slump is, you know, a testament to who Mike Trout is. I, I think I would be a little bit like if he is, you know, right now dating back to 2019, he's only stolen three bases in, uh, you know, I guess like maybe a year and <laughs> maybe a year and a half um, considering he didn't really play that much last year. 2020 was a weird year. So yeah, maybe, maybe not even a weird, a year and a half. Maybe that's like a year. So um, you say like, uh, you know, if in a year he's only stolen three bags uh, or a year's worth of games, excuse me, but you know, three years in, uh, in, in our time in human, in human time, <laughs> right. it's, it's been three years, but, uh, and you know, in a year's worth of games, he's still in three bags and he has, you know, and his K's are up a little bit, you know, he's just not like, if I were, you know, a guy who we're, I think we're going to talk about next, 
uh, not to jump the gun, uh, not next, next, but next, 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 um, <laughs> is the guy, uh, Jordan Alvarez. Like if you're looking at just like straight numbers, Jordan Alvarez is better than Mike Trout. I mean, you know, it's like Mike Trout's got the name value and you know, he's had an incredible career, but if I were to just, if I were just looking at like stats, I don't think Mike Trout's a top 15, you know, he's like, he's like a top, I guess because he's, uh, you know, um, remarkably consistent, I guess he's probably top 20 overall, but he's not like a, a first round guy anymore. Like he doesn't, he has, he has power still, obviously he can hit for a decent average, um, outside of the slump. So he's like a, you know, he's like a 270 hitter with 35 homers and, you know, maybe a handful of steals. I'll give him, I'll still give him three to five steals uh, over the course of a season, but that might be optimistic at this point. So, you know, he, I mean, he's fine. I honestly, there's other guys who I think are probably better. Um, but yeah, I, I still, you know, I guess to your point about the slump, I'm not really concerned about the slump. Uh, you know, that's just, you know, I, that's just a, a small sample thing that happens to be like he's in a, you know, he's in a funk, but that's whatever. Right. Yeah. I think the only thing that may concern me a little bit is the K rate in May and June. Both months he was over 30% K rate. That's, I mean, again, Mike Trout has never been somebody to just shy away from attacking and, and you know, having his share of swings and misses. But we, you know, he's not really a 30% K rate guy in his career. So I do wonder if, Maybe he's just losing a little bat speed or if maybe there's an underlying injury that's potentially causing uh, some of this slump too, which is, you know, an ongoing concern. As you mentioned, he's only played about a season's worth of games and maybe less than that in the last three seasons. So I, I do wonder if there's maybe some kind of underlying injury that's nagging at him or if the bat is slowing down at age 30, just just slightly, because I think we're, we're past the age or at least uh, potentially past the age where he can be counted on for a, you know, surefire three plus 300 batting average, mm. as you mentioned, maybe 270, 280, um, rather than kind of those 330, 320 days that we, we know Mike Trout did in his past. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I did want to talk about Joe Adele real quick. In 19 games back in AAA, he had six home runs. Still striking out, but he was taking walks. It sounds like he's basically up for uh, Taylor Ward while Taylor Ward is out. Joe Madden just pumping Adele full of confidence as he comes up and, and basically saying they didn't want to call Adele up. And uh, they're only doing it because there's <laughs> nobody else. So that's that's great to hear. But are you interested in Adele this time? Uh, are you spending any fab on him? Like major fab? Or is it more of a, I'll pick him up if he's available and then he's going straight back to the wire? Yeah, I actually I grabbed him in a uh, 12-team mixed league uh, for uh, it's a weekly league, so I grabbed him for this week because I also have uh, Taylor Ward. So you know, I was uh, I just switched them out. I figure Odell is going to get the week uh, this week, and then when Ward comes back next week, uh, I'll just drop Odell. I grabbed him for a dollar, a uh, dollar out of a hundred. Um, so yeah, I mean not. You know, it was like whatever. It was just a uh, a weekly grab. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything here because, like you mentioned, uh, except for this week. I mean, this for this week, he's fine as like a flyer just to see what happens. Uh, but as you mentioned, 
there's nothing really here long term because Madden's already said that Adele's only here because Ward is hurt. So once Ward comes back, and supposedly it's not a major injury, once Ward comes back, Adele's going to be demoted again. So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really here for most leagues other than a uh, a, a flyer for the week. Yeah, they, they just kind of need him right now, so he's up. Uh, you know, that being said, I didn't get him anywhere this time. Uh, on the call up, maybe the first time ever he's been called up and I didn't get him anywhere and drop stupid amounts of fab. So this is probably this time. He's probably going to hit 500 this week with three home runs, three stolen bases. Uh, and they ain't, you know, he'll just stay up in the lineup for forever. So uh, just, just keep that in the back of your mind. But yes, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't think he's really worth much more than a, a dollar or two in, in fab money. If you're looking at him for this week, as you mentioned, Jordan Alvarez. Um, he got paid. He got six years, $115 million. And apparently he liked getting paid because he went, he's been on an absolute tear this week. Uh, number 14 on the player radar currently, or at least as I was doing my research yesterday on Sunday, Rudy rest of the season has him number 14 on the player radar. So 14 and 14, are you higher, lower, or about the same on, on Jordan Alvarez? Some of the names I think that are above him that, you know, we may consider in that same area are like Paul Goldschmidt, Manny Machado, and Francisco Lindor. What are you doing with Jordan as far as rest of season here, Gray? Uh, yeah, you know, I was going to say in my uh, in my roundup on in Monday morning, I mentioned Jordan Alvarez. Uh, I I was going to say in there, I wrote out that I was going to uh, you know a a random prediction that Jordan Alvarez was going to win at least one MVP award in his uh, career, if not multiple. Uh, and then I, I think I deleted it. <laughs> I don't remember, actually. But I think I deleted <laughs> it uh, because I, I remembered that he's a DH and it puts a lot of weight on, you know, a guy to win an MVP as a DH. So that that felt like, you know, possibly inaccurate. Um <laughs> And there's not if nothing else. I like to be accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's a gray, accurate Albright. Um, okay. Anyway, I you know I think Jordan Alvarez is like one of the most uh, talented hitters in the game. Like I think like you if you're just going on pure talent, it's like Juan Soto, uh, Jordan Alvarez, Rafael Devers, uh, like. Ready. Vladdy, right, Vladdy. Um, you know, there's like certain guys. That doesn't mean they're necessarily the top three guys for fantasy because, you know, you need steals uh, and, you know, maybe uh, their lineups aren't great, uh, a.k.a. Soto. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, for just a pure talent standpoint, Jordan Alvarez is like he's in a top handful of guys who are like so completely talented that you're like, if this guy gets lucky on counting stats, he's going to have like a 45 homer, 125 RBI, 310 season. Like that's how good Jordan Alvarez is. Like if you look at Jordan Alvarez's stat cast, you're like, <laughs> I mean, if he's not the best hitter in the majors, he's in the top five for the best hitters in the majors. Like that's how good Jordan Alvarez is. Um, you know, unfortunately for fantasy, like I said, there's no steals there. So that knocks him down a little bit. So he's not going to be, it's going to be hard for him to be 
like the top player in fantasy, but he can easily be a top 12 player overall. Like we saw last year, Vlad Guerrero Jr. was a top player and he didn't really add much uh, as far as steals were concerned. So, yeah, I mean, I, Jordan Alvarez to me is like one of the best players in baseball, um, one of the best hitters. And, you know, a guy who I, I was really actively trying to get him in every league uh, as because his ADP was, I want to say, like roughly like between 19 and 25 in that area. And I was trying to get Jordan Alvarez. It's kind of, you know, like a lot of times with drafts, especially snake drafts, you can only do so much if you have like a draft pick. Like if you have the, the 15th and 16th pick in a draft, I guess you could reach for yard on Alvarez. I mean, that w- that's definitely a possibility at like 15 or 16. But this year, you probably were going a different way. And then by the time it got back to you, yard on Alvarez would have been taken already. So, you know, there's only so much you can do to draft a player. Like, you know, a lot of times, like, uh, like uh, you know, uh, people on the site, I say people, but it's really guys. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, guys on the site, you know, say to me like, oh, you really liked, you know, this player, but you didn't draft him anywhere. It's like, yeah, I liked him, but, you know, it, it's not always possible for me to draft every player. I mean, you know, and Jordan Alvarez was a case where I would have drafted him in every league if I had a chance. I didn't always have a chance to draft him, but, yeah, he's been great. I, I absolutely love Jordan Alvarez. I think he's like – I think he's got – 45 homer, 315 average potential, which is just like, I mean, that's basically Vlad Guerrero Jr., you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. All right. I mean, would you take him over Vlad rest of season? I mean, he's, his numbers right now are better than Vlad's. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I mean, that's a, a tough call. I probably would because – like, you know, bird in the hand, I would probably, t- and Yordan is, like you said, Yordan's doing better right now. So why not? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say Yordan over Vlad. I, you know, I wouldn't go out. Uh, I don't know how that trade would happen because that's such a bizarre trade. If someone were to take, like, if someone were to have Yordan Alvarez and be like, Hey, I have this great guy. Let me trade him for someone who's supposed to be great. I mean, that's a it's a weird trade for someone to do. But in theory, yeah, I would take Jordan Alvarez over Vlad. All right, let me ask you this, Gray, and then we'll get off the the Vlad Vlad Jordan here dynasty. I mean, Jordan's twenty four, Vlad's twenty three. So for this season, yeah, Jordan's killing it. You take the you take the guy who's already just mashing the ball. What are you doing long term? Are you going Vlad or are you going Jordan? Oh, or is that maybe a five outfielder, three outfielder situation? Because yeah. I mean, I, Jordan, is probably not going to even maintain outfield eligibility long term. So that, right. that may be the long term advantage. Right. Yeah. I mean, the uh, you know the, the something that no one's really mentioned, or at least no one's mentioned that I've heard. Uh, that you know the the benefit that we not we don't have to see pitchers hitting anymore, which is a great benefit. <laughs> the uh, the drawback is now guys like Jordan, when they go to NL stadiums, they never have to you know they never have to play the field. Yeah. Like there's there's no reason for them to ever go into the field again. Um, so yeah, that is a uh, that's a drawback for fantasy at least, not not for real baseball. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jordan or Vlad in a in a dynasty is such a tough call. It's basically like, I mean, if the season, if you were to redraft, you take Jordan. Um, I think over uh, Vlad, I would at least. Um, uh, I, I think so. Then you're saying basically for the next five, six years. I mean, I don't know, man. That's a tough call. I think I'm going Vlad still, but that is, I mean, it's essentially a, a coin flip. And I'm only going Vlad, I think, because of position eligibility. But it's it's a hard call. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm going Vlad. It's it's very slim, though, because I think Jordan's power is probably actually better than Vlad's. I know Vlad obviously put up that ridiculous season last year, but we know what parks he was playing in. Like, I think Jordan's power is is potentially higher than Vlad's, but he has the DH potentially working against him. Plus, he has his history of injuries also working against him. Uh, so I, I think for those couple of reasons, I'm, I'm going with, with Vlad. But uh, for what it's worth, Jordan's already qualified for outfield for next year. So um, at least for next year, we still get him outfield eligibility. Um, another guy who, you know, kind of broke out last year uh, with with Vlad breaking out Austin Riley, he's been on a heater as well in the last 14 days. He's hitting over 380, six home runs. Um, I mean, is he now jumped ahead to the clear number four, third baseman behind Jose Ramirez, Manny endeavors, or, or is he maybe even jumping above one of them? And again, if we're redrafting today, is he kind of that back end of second round uh, type of guy, maybe where Jordan was going this year? Uh, or is the no, average bringing him? No, down? I don't think. I think the average brings down Riley. Uh, I think Riley. Honestly, I think Riley was probably priced correctly going into this year, and if he were to continue what he's doing right now, I think he'd probably be around the same draft pick next year. Like I don't, I don't see him moving up a tremendous amount. I do see, I do see what you're seeing. Do you see what I see? <laughs> uh, it's a, a heavy D song. Uh, throwback. Throw, it's Throwback Tuesdays. What's going on, Razzballers? Um, yeah, I think Austin Riley is likely priced correctly in the market. I think, you know, behind Ramirez, behind Devers for sure. A toss-up with Machado? Yeah, I think so. In front of or not, in front of uh, Nolan Arenado? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in front of, uh, I don't know. Well, Bobby Witt Jr. has third base eligibility, but I don't know if he. I, I, I honestly, I don't even know if he's going to have it next year. I don't know. I don't know how many games he's played there. Um, I, I don't know. Austin Riley to me is like. I mean, he's like a thirty-two to thirty-five homer, two seventy-ish average, no speed. Good counting stats, which is fine. I mean, that's a totally, you know, that's a usable uh, stat line. Like, that's not bad. I think that's, you know, that's like Arenado, but with a little bit more upside and average, roughly. I, you know, they're they're close. I think um, as of right now, they're they're real close. But you know, in reality, for next year, I think probably Riley's above Arenado just because of the age difference mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think the question is Riley or Machado uh, for next year, I'm saying, uh, or even for the rest of this year, I guess. 
For the rest of this year, uh, I think I'm going Machado. And next year, I think I'd go Machado again, which is, you know, assuming everything stays the same, you know, if a bad injury happens and, you know, uh, shit happens. But, you know, I think Riley and Machado were priced correctly this year. And I think they're, you know, they'll probably be priced correctly next year, too, if they stay in the same range as they were this year. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's a bit of a hedge. Uh, But, you know, speaking of another Austin, Austin Hedges. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yeah, I like Riley, but I don't I don't see a huge upside for him. Okay. American Giant does things the hard way, but that's because it's the right way. By choosing to manufacture all of its clothes in the United States, American Giant supports local communities and produces the highest quality goods on the market. Ten years ago, they went against the grain and imagined making a hoodie of unbelievable quality locally, one that would hold up for years and get better with each wear. They did just that, and now they have a full range of durable essentials for men and women, including tees, premium sweaters, cozy sweats, and so much more. The best part? Everything is American-made to the highest standards. Supporting hardworking communities, living wages, and safe working conditions. So you can buy your values and fill your closet with long-lasting clothes you can feel great about. Wear your values in the new year. Complete with durable essentials at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off with code NY23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com. Code NY23. It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do? Try some random exercises? Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. Fair enough. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think he can be... He's the power versus kind of the the combo package you're getting with Manny Machado. So it may just depend on whether you go early with one of those power bats like a like a Jordan or a Soto or a, or a Vlad, um, and you need some speed, or if you you know can take Riley if you need the power for Riley. So I could see those two being very close, and I, right. I'd imagine Manny wins out because of the speed. Just right, the way, yeah. Sorry, right yeah. Now. Not to interrupt, but just real quick, I'd say like Riley. Is Vlad or Yardon, uh, Yardon with minus like 30 points in batting average, right? That's I so, and that's a, I mean, that's a pretty big difference, uh, yeah. You know, so I don't see Riley taking a step into like the top 20 because of that reason, but he's good, he's totally usable. I, I have no problem with him. I'm just saying, you know, I don't think he's on the same level as those other guys. Yeah, I think maybe he he might get overdrafted because of the um, issues at filling third base that that we've had this year. So that may happen. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't think just the stats alone aren't going to put him in the top 20 necessarily. But I do think he's kind of uh, probably a start of third, mid-third next year. Just just looking at the numbers and what he could potentially put up. 30-plus home runs, an average that's solid, and then he's going to sit in the middle of that Atlanta lineup. So... That's pretty good. Um, you know, speaking of redrafting today, if we redrafted today, is Mookie Betts, I mean, he's he's got to be like the top five, right? One through five, somewhere in that area. Where do you where do you have him, I guess, rest of season this year? 
we'll get to next year when we get to next year because Mookie's one of those guys I think we were both off of because of the the age and just ongoing concerns of, of what that may mean for him. But right now, you can't we can't deny what he's doing. I mean, last two weeks he's hitting over four hundred, six home runs, three stolen bases. I mean, he's been on an absolute tear. I got I got something to say with uh, in regards to Mookie bats. So every player in the spring says. I'm in my best shape of my life, except for Mookie Betts. Why Mookie Betts had to say his hip was bothering him <laughs> is beyond me. Why would you say anything? Every player says, I'm incredibly gifted. Look at my abs that I worked on all winter. Look at my chest. I'm so, like... Fit, oh my God, I am Yon Mankata, and I'm going to steal 40 bags. Every player <laughs> says this nonsense. But Mookie Betts says, ow, my hip. Oh, I wish I brought my cane with me. What? What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Like, why are you showing up to camp with a walker with little tennis balls on the end of it? Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> he killed, I mean, honestly... The fact that he said his hip was bothering him was like such a deterrent. I, I, I mean, I didn't draft him anywhere. I'm like, oh, I'm so either. regretting it. I honestly, uh, who says their hips hurting them when it's not hurting them? <laughs> <laughs> who says this? Why is it, don't be so? I mean, what did he wake up wrong? Like, ow! Like, what is he in a waterbed one? Like the night before that interview when he said his hip was bur- like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, if you're redrafting, I you know, like right now it looks like it's pretty fair to say he's on a pace for like 32 homers, 15 steals. Great average again, like 290-plus average. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much a a top seven overall at, at worst, top five. Yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially him. That's, that's prime Mookie Betts, yeah. <laughs> essentially. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think, you know, with the and the counting stats, I mean, he's in a lineup where he could have 100 runs by the All-Star break. Easily, <laughs> like I mean, he's at uh, he's at fifty two runs right now. Uh, okay, maybe not easily, but he could ease he could easily get to eighty runs by the All Star break. Um, you know, the All Star break is I think July eighteenth. Uh, not that I have it uh, circled on my calendar or anything. <laughs> not that I have it spray painted those, on my those wall. Those beautiful three uh, days that you don't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Those glorious three days that I, I don't have to do anything out of six months. Um, yeah, you know, so what is it, It's roughly 30 games. Yeah, anyway, I, 80 runs feels like uh, easy for him to get to by the All-Star break. He can, So he could have, by the All-Star break, he could have 80 runs, 22 homers, 12 steals, and a 300 average. <laughs> Dude, I would have taken I would have taken that from some of my first rounders for the whole year. I would have been like, I would take that from Bo Bichette. <laughs> I mean, my God, man. I, yeah, I mean that's really good. Um, so, damn. I mean, I 
you know, I Mr. Bungled that by not drafting him anywhere. But, you know, what, what can you do, I guess? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, I guess amongst the top guys, so we're talking about Jose Ramirez, Ronald Acuna, Trey Turner. Um, I, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, those are the only guys I can think of that, that would even be in his, his realm right now. Is he sitting, I think, behind Jose Ramirez? But I think he's number two probably for me just based on what he's doing uh, in the currently. I mean, it's been ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Uh, newsflash here. Uh, this just in. Yasmani Grandal absolutely sucks and uh, <laughs> hasn't been doing anything for his fantasy owners who took him way too high. Uh I mean, what are you doing with some... I mean, Yasuani Grandal, well, we, I guess we could talk about him in particular and how bad he is. Uh, but what do you do when you have somebody who you do you did draft thinking they were going to be a useful piece to your team and then they, they're just blowing up on you and doing nothing? Yeah, I mean, these are always the hardest... Honestly, these are the hardest questions for me when I uh, I get comments like, you know, what do you do with Yasmani Grandal? And it's like, well, I wouldn't have drafted him. <laughs> so well, you I didn't listen to me the first time. Like it's hard for me to be empathetic when I don't have the problem. Like I don't, I don't have an issue with Yasmani Grandal because I don't have him anywhere. <laughs> it's pretty easy <laughs> for me. Um, but I think at this point, like looking at his stats, like he got old, you know, and he's a he was already slow as shit, but now. <laughs> He's old and slow as shit. So, like, a Babbitt of, like, maybe 220 is really a possibility for him. So that means he could hit, like, 180 with neutral luck. I mean, that's awful. And if he's not hitting homers, I don't know. Even if he is hitting homers, like, you know, you could probably pick up a catcher off of waivers and do just as well. You know, like in our... RCL League, the other day, I picked up Alejandro Kirk. Kirk over Grandal? In a second. At this, Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, why not? Like, mix it up. I, yeah. You know, I, I think you got to cut your losses with Grandal. I don't know. I mean, maybe he comes out of it. But even if he comes out of it, what does that look like? Like, what? He, he hits He's at 15 two, homers? Yeah, like, the rest of the way? And 230? <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of useless, and you shouldn't have drafted him. I told you not to draft him. <laughs> I said, don't draft him. I don't know. I mean, I didn't draft him. Anyway, yeah, yeah it's we, not good. We, we told you not to draft catchers inside the top 50, inside the top 100. That's your own fault. I mean, he's 59th among catchers, Gray. Not, not like on the player radar overall. Like, among his catchers, he's 59th. That's, that's just absolutely horrendous Greg yeah I yeah I mean I think if I remember correctly I think he was going probably like around 150 overall I I don't think it was as high as 50 overall I think that was more like Salvador Perez but yeah it's still wherever he was going I mean I tell people don't draft a catcher until like their last pick overall (laughs) I mean I I don't draft a catcher I drafted uh like Sean Murphy in our RCL with my last pick. So that's like what? 270 overall. And then I dropped him for Alejandro Kirk. I'm doing fine. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not doing as well as like if I drafted K 
Contreras, but for all the people who drafted Contreras, there's one guy who drafted Grandal right after Contreras, and they're doing awful. So it's like, don't bother with catchers. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've always been in that that area. Um, there's a couple of late game heroes this week. Bryson Stott and Jack Sawinski. I just wanted to bring them up to discuss if they're worth a pickup. It does seem like Stott might have finally found himself into a uh, at least more assured playing time role. Um, and Sawinski might as well, too. Yeah, well, the um, the new adult contemporary uh, radio star, Rob Thompson, uh, in the uh, the Phillies, the new Phillies manager, uh, <laughs> you... Uh, uh, the also former lead singer of Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I I think I think he said something to the effect like he wants to play youngsters. So taking him at his word, Stott plays over Gregorius, uh, which looked like on Sunday that was the case. Like Diddy returned from injury, he was back healthy on the bench. And Stott was playing. So that's good to see. So if Stott's playing and Diddy's not, I, I take a I take a flyer on Stott. I mean, the, the league, you know, it's all league dependent, but you know, we liked Stott coming into the year. Not a whole lot has changed since then. It's just, you know, uh, a little bit of the shine has worn off because he didn't look good in his first, you know, 25 games. But you know, what's 25 games really? If he if he turns it on now. It could be a great pickup. So yeah, I would I would grab Stott to see if maybe he plays. He's got to not only play for shallower leagues at least. He's got to move up the lineup because he's been hitting I think ninth overall, uh, ninth not ninth overall, ninth in the lineup. Um, so yeah, I mean Stott's got to move up in the lineup. He's got to continue hitting. So it's not a, a clear path uh, to fantasy value, but there is a path there. Yeah, I, I'm with you in the regards to the lineup. I was going to bring that up. Just the fact that he's hitting eight nine kind of removes some of the high upside for your shallower leagues. But if you're if you're looking for middle infield help in deeper leagues and fifteen team leagues, I, I do think Stott is worth a shot. It's a guy that has power speed. I mean, he could go. I, I think ten ten kind of the rest of the way. Um, average hasn't been there yet, but I do. You know, he's always hit for average in the minors. It's never been. Uh, an issue with him on on the K rate. He's always taken a, a, you know his, his walks as well. So I do think there's there's potentially something there. And how about Jack Swinsky? Who I mean, if he gets to stay kind of in the middle of that Pirates lineup, which again there's not really anybody holding him away from not sitting in the middle of the Pirates lineup. There there could be some value here. What do you think about Jack Swinsky? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't grab him in an NL only league, um, my my Toutworth league, which I'm doing awful in, by the way. <laughs> but I'm kind of uh, I'm kicking myself I didn't grab him. But you know what? I haven't grabbed anyone good in that league, so <laughs> <laughs> I may as well continue the trend. Uh, I think you know Slowinski. I mean, for mixed leagues, he's kind of iffy. Uh, he's probably like. You know, uh, neutral luck. I mean, he's probably a 15 homer, five steal, 235 hitter. So, eh, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's tough to own in most mixed leagues unless you're platooning him out into, and I don't even know when he would have a favorable matchup. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's fine 
for deeper leagues, like I said, like NL only, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind him in an NL only league. In a mixed league, it's like, meh, ah, whatever. Yeah, I do think he's a guy you have to just kind of play the matchups on. So more of a daily league guy. He's, you know, he he smashes righties. That's kind of what what he's up to do. So yes, I, I do think there's some value, but it's it's specific value. Um, but I'm with you in regards to just kind of the power and a handful of steals. I don't expect the average to really be climbing. It, it's not something he even did in the minors. Um, but, he, you know, just a little bit of power speed combo, uh, potentially, if you're looking for that in a deeper league. Speaking of call-ups, Ezekiel Duran got called up for the Rangers. He got called up directly from AA, 45 games at AA this year. He hit 317, 365, 574, seven home runs, seven stolen bases. It, the K rate is the lowest of his minor league career. It's sub 20%. So he, maybe he's seen the ball better this year. Just maybe they made an adjustment. I don't know. But uh, are you interested in Ezekiel Duran, who had a, a nice start to his. his uh, Who's the. Uh, is the, the Red Sox called up uh, a guy, too. What's his last name? Uh, the other Duran? Uh, what's, what's the range? What's the Rangers guy's last name? Duran. And what's the Red Sox guy's last name? Duran. Her name was Rio, <laughs> and she's dancing on the sand. Sorry, <laughs> it's a long, it's a long way to get there. I was uh, trying to avoid it, but yes, okay. Well, I say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I say it with Ezekiel. I like him because you know there, 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 there's power and there's speed, so. Immediately, that's intriguing. I I also think he's probably uh, maybe a little bit better than average uh, hit tool guy. If uh, you know his K rate holds from like double A, he had an eighteen percent K rate. So if that holds anywhere close to that, I mean you're expected to he'll lose a little bit and maybe fall to like you know twenty four twenty five percent. But that's still. I mean, with his speed, he could potentially hit for average, like maybe 260. Not not great average. Like, we're not talking um, first week of April, Stephen Kwan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not quite that good. But, yeah, I mean, he could hit 260, and he has some power and some speed. Plus, he's, a, he's an MI, a middle infielder. So he's got that going for him with, uh, I think, actually, I mean, third base, uh, where is where he'll be playing, but I think he has middle infielder eligibility uh, in leagues. Uh, I think. Um, anyway, I I don't mind the flyer on him either. Like um, you know, I was getting questions today: uh, Ezekiel Duran, uh, Bryson Stott, or Luis Garcia, the uh, Nationals call up. And you know, I was, I mean, it's kind of coin flips all around. I like Luis Garcia too, who I think we'll t- we'll touch on a little bit later. But um, Duran, I mean Duran feels like potentially the highest upside guy, um, and you know maybe maybe the Rangers because the Rangers are struggling to find any any sort of spark plug there. So maybe if he hits, he moves up. It's a good sign that in his second game he already homered. So. You know, I mean, right now, right this, literally right this instance, I would probably take Duran. But honestly, in maybe three games, that could change if one of those other guys I mentioned stays hot or gets hot, like Luis Garcia or, you know. So I like Duran, but it's a really of this moment kind of uh, like. 
Yeah, and, and I think he's probably the safest in regards to playing time, too. Again, the Pirates have nobody, so why not let him try and show that he can... Or, or sorry, the Rangers. The Rangers really don't have anybody else they need to, to play at third base right now, so why not let him go ahead and, and try and see if he can continue, um, you know, kind of these adjustments that he's made. Uh, the next guy that got called up is Steel Walker. Um, uh, also with the Rangers this year at AAA, he went three home runs, two stolen bases, 297, 395, 486, a 12.8% walk rate, a 10.5% K rate. That's 20 games. Um, I mean, are you interested in Steel Walker also joining the Rangers here? Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Uh, you know, honestly, I was, uh, I'm less interested in Steel Walker than Ezekiel Duran. Uh, I think that's more to do with playing time than anything. It's, I don't, it's not that I think it is. That is the reason. Uh, but you know, what's, what's kind of, uh, interesting is I just went and looked at our, our prospectinator, um, Rudy's, uh, Rudy's little uh, Rudy's uh, gadget, uh, Rudy's tool. Excuse me, it's just weird to say Rudy's tool. <laughs> it's a it's a weird sentence. Anyway, um, the prospectinator, which gives every prospect's projections. So on our site, we have every single rookie, uh, every single rookie's projections. Um, every actually, we have projections for every player, but we have every rookie's projections projected out over 162 games. So essentially it shows you what kind of player they would be if they played 162 games. So, uh, which, you know, I mean, I guess helpful because, you know, so this way you get an idea because I think people understand projections a little bit more when they're on a 162 game scale. Anyway, long story short, Steel Walker is projected for 15 homers and nine steals and a 236 average. I mean, it's fun. honestly, that's pretty good, uh, all things considered, uh, for a rookie. Uh, Ezekiel Duran is projected for 14 homers, 12 steals, 232 average. Now, if you couldn't tell by the way my voice went uh, octaves higher and lower <laughs> when I was saying the numbers, <laughs> that means Ezekiel Duran has less power, more speed, and about the same on average. So... Steel Walker, I think, is being essentially forgotten. Like everything I see, like I, you know, I also I led on Monday's roundup. I led with Ezekiel Duran because Ezekiel Duran feels like he has a uh, a slot in the lineup and everyday playing time. So that makes him immediately more valuable. But Steel Walker is essentially the same if he gets playing time. I don't know if the playing time is going to be there. Honestly, I have no idea. Um, I would guess no. Uh, it's just it's a, a more crowded situation in their outfield because they have Eli White, um, the Rangers, that is. They have Eli White and uh, Charlie Cumberson, uh, who, uh, you know, platoon, platoon man. Uh, anyway, Steel Walker is probably 
for AL only, I, I think actually I got him in our AL only league. That we're, uh, we're we're in that together, right? Yep. The team, the league where I'm doing awful. Yeah, it's yep. a, it's, a, it's a struggle to put do anything in that league <laughs> uh, for me at least. Uh, but anyway, Steel Walker is uh, a guy I grabbed in AL only. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. I guess my my biggest point, my biggest takeaway here is Ezekiel Duran and Steel Walker are essentially the same thing. But people are clamoring a little bit more so for Ezekiel Duran, and they seem uninterested in Steel Walker for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fair. I think you know Duran's prospect pedigree is a little bit higher um, in regards to just where they they fit in the organization. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is 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 true though. I don't think from a power speed perspective they're that different. Um, from a hit tool perspective, I mean, Steel Walker, actually, his strikeouts have been less of a concern in the minors. But again, Duran seems to have made some kind of adjustment specifically this year uh, to really cut those down. So if yeah. that's and true, also, then I think Duran, and, and you know, that's part of it, too. Sorry, not to interrupt. Yeah. Sorry, but with prospects, too, the fact that Duran is two years younger, almost three years younger I think gets people a little bit more excited. So, you know, there's, there's that a- aspect where like if people think someone's doing it at 23 versus 26, it's like, Oh, well this guy has upside and potential where the other guy is just a quad a player potentially, you know? Uh, yeah. The guy doing it at 23 at double a is, is always going to stand out a little bit more than the 25 at triple right. a. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely some of that as well. But yeah, I think if you're just kind of looking for that power speed and, and just hoping that one of them kind of clicks, I think either one could be worth your value. But again, we, we've kind of said Duran over Walker, potentially. Uh, Travis Swaggerty uh, also get, got the call up. Um, I mean, he's he's with the Pirates, so we'll see what his look like, what, he, like what his playing time is going to end up looking like if they're going to move his playing time around or not, or if he's kind of up. He's also another one who's sitting at the bottom of the lineup, unfortunately. What do you think with Travis Swaggerty uh, for the Pirates? Well, I mean, the fact that he is at the bottom of the lineup shows that the Pirates should just be folded as an organization. I mean, not not that he's that good, but the, that, that that they have Vogel back as the, the three-hole hitter. I mean, it's, and Michael Chavez as the cleanup hitter. It's just, I mean, it's stupid. It really is dumb. Even if those guys are good, they're five, six hitters at best because if you're a Pirates organization, you want your youngsters to hit higher. I mean, I sound like I sound like an oldster saying the word youngster, but I mean, you want your young guys hitting up in the top of the lineup because why not? <laughs> you're the Pirates. You're not playing for anything. Why wouldn't you do Get that? More plate appearances, more pitches. Yeah, yeah. If nothing else, it, more plate appearances. Anyway, Swaggerty is. I mean, he's another guy who's kind. Of, he kind of looks similar to the last two guys <laughs> we talked about. To be honest, I mean, on the uh, prospectinator. He has uh, projections of 12 homers, 12 steals, and 227 average. So, again, I mean, kind of like, you know, that that sort of like 15-15, 230 hitter uh, guy, which is, I mean, that's more or less that's an NL-only play uh, with Swaggerty, unless he gets hot. If he gets hot, then, you know, all bets are off, and maybe a mixed league guy. 
Uh, unless, like, if you're desperate for anything in a, a deeper mixed league, I guess you could try Swaggerty. But for right now, I would say NO only. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the speed play out of the guys we've talked about. The guy who can come up and potentially steal you, yeah, you know, that's... more than 10 or 15 stolen bases. Like, if they let him run, he could run every time he gets on base, which may not be all that many, hit it, you know, 230, 300 on base type of deal. But still, like, I think he's the one of the group that could steal bases. But um, I think that's primarily what he's going to do. I think the others probably have a better better power um hit tools probably probably about the same across the board honestly with these three uh again duran maybe ezekiel duran maybe slightly higher on that uh but again i think that's more about the the quality of contact than the actual hit tool itself right yep uh just wanted to mention caleb killian real quick because he did get a spot start for the cubs and a double header so he's he seems like one of the potential guys that come up for the cubs uh, should they decide that they are out of the playoff hunt and start moving some of their veterans, uh, just want to kind I, I of bring you, about... I think you. Mean, I think you mean to say come to terms with the fact that they're out of the playoff hunt. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's what I meant to say. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe I'm just hopeful here, Gray. There's like 85 uh, wild card spots now, yeah. so that's, you never that's know. Fair. I mean, I could see them. Matching up pretty well with the Dodgers when they roll out their Matt, <laughs> Schwar- Matt yeah. Schwarma and Justin Steele. <laughs> Schwarma and Steele uh, sounds like a Middle Eastern show on Netflix. <laughs> hey, have you checked out that Schwarma and Steele? It's a, it's a pretty good. It's an import from uh, Iran. I, I love it. <laughs> so, Caleb Killian, are, are you interested at all, Gray? I mean, I think in except for in the deepest of NL onlys and Dynasty Leagues, there's not much, but... When he does get the next call up, are you interested in him? Uh, no. I mean, in the NL only league, yeah, as like a bench guy who I'm, you know, stashing because he probably will be called up within like, I would guess he's up by July 1 again for good. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, either. Either one of the pitchers gets injured in the Cubs staff or, you know, maybe they they can offload someone in a trade. I, I mean, I don't know. But I do. I, I think Killian will be back very soon. Um, so I would stash him uh, in an NL only league. But, yeah, in a mixed league, it's he's irrelevant as of right now. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to bring him up as we were talking about guys who were called up just so everybody was aware of him. Um but yes, I mean, literally everybody in the Cubs rotation has been talked about being moved. So there is uh, a potential for him at some point in the season. Somebody who isn't likely going anywhere is Tyler Anderson. He hasn't given a, up a run in his last three starts. That's 20 innings. Over his last four starts, he's had 27 innings pitched, 26 strikeouts, one walk, and he is 4-0. and The changeup movement is better than it has ever been since he's joined the joined the Dodgers I mean, Tyler Anderson has has looked great. The the numbers look amazing. Are you in on Tyler Anderson, and where where are you bumping him up to amongst pitchers? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. Uh, I you know, honestly, uh, he could be a great get uh, for mixed leagues. Like, I, I think you could probably even get him still, uh, like as a, like a buy high because like he's if as long as he stays healthy, which you know, I, there's no reason why he shouldn't. Like last year, he threw 167 innings. 
he can easily like stay in the rotation all year. Like he's one guy, unlike, you know, Kershaw or um, even, you know, Bueller potentially. Like I think Anderson could stay in the, in the Dodgers rotation all year and be very valuable. Like his command looks impeccable as of right now. And there's no reason to think like with the Dodgers giving him offense, there's no reason to think he can't be, like a fantasy number three to four guy. Like he has a 8.6 K per nine and an under one walk rate with a, you know, a 3.54 XFIP. So honestly, I would take him over a lot of guys. Like people always, people keep asking about like Marcus Stroman, you know, speaking of the Cubs. Tyler Anderson over Marcus Stroman right now. And I don't think, I don't think anyone was drafting it that way, but I I think Tyler Anderson over him now, Um, Tyler Anderson, or like some of the, uh, some of the later, uh, some of the back end Astro guys who I like, by the way, like I like a Christian Javier, Jose, uh, your is, you know, is what he is, I think, but yeah, like Tyler Anderson over those guys. And I don't think anyone was saying that like, as of like, uh, a month ago. So I think Tyler Anderson could potentially be really valuable in a mixed league in just about the shallowest of mixed leagues too. I, I think there's really value for him across the board. Um, I don't think there's upside here. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think we're like Tyler Anderson's going to back his way into an, a, a, a fantasy number one type year, but he definitely worth rostering and valuable. Yeah, I mean, I would say if we're if we're looking at numbers, then I'm, I'm taking into the improved changeup here. I don't know if we're thinking like three five with a one one five whip, uh, and then you know, like you said, around that eight and a half K rate, 24, 25 percent. Um, I think that's kind of in line with what we're seeing from Tyler Anderson so far this year. Uh, yeah. Let's move. Uh, Glenn Otto is somebody who who is. Uh, is on a lot of waiver wire. Uh, I think he loves to get Blotto. Uh, any interest in an in auto after a few strong starts, last four starts, he's three and one, 22 innings pitched, six earned runs, two, four, five ERA, one, three, two whip. He's mixing in the sinker as he's kind of phasing out the four seamer, throwing more changeups. He's another guy that the changeup is just dropping a little bit better on this year. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not interested. <laughs> Yeah. Long, long, long story short, his command is just too wonky for me. I'm not, I'm not interested in Glenn Otto outside of maybe a matchup play here or there. Like if he's a two-star pitcher and good matchups in that week, sure, okay, fine. But in general, I'm not a Glenn Otto fan. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a, a, a bubble burst that's coming. Uh, I, I did pick him up in a couple of 15-team leagues, so I think that's the area that you're looking at for him. Or, like you said, a streaming 12-team option in daily moves leagues. The K I rate... would look at him like if I was between him and Bruce Zimmerman in a 15-team mixed league. That would be the kind of thing I would be like weighing. I could potentially see Otto in that scenario, but... Even there, I don't know. I mean, Bruce Zimmerman has potentially better matchups. If I mean, excuse me, he does. He has worse matchups. But if he has better matchups, then possibly Zimmerman. Like, yeah, I mean, those are the. That's the kind of toss up I think I'm looking at with Otto. Yeah, and right now the K rate just isn't strong enough to necessarily support being 
a much more than a streamer in in, in most leagues. But I uh, wanted to bring him up because he has been good. And like I said, the changeup does look better. He's he's done a little bit of pitch mix change. So there is some potential reasoning behind him. So if, if you're just speculating on pitchers, I think there's worse people to go after. I think there's maybe potentially something here in his numbers. Speaking of something that I, you know, I thought I saw something in his numbers. Will we ever see Alex Kirilov again? I mean, he's hitting well in AAA. The Twins said that they wanted to make sure that he was ready to be called back up. I don't know what more he can do at AAA to prove he's ready to call back up. What are you doing with like Alex Kirilov or some of these guys who are stuck in the minor system that that maybe shouldn't like a CJ Abrams or or a or a Kirilov? Well, I, I think that's a, a league dependent question, but I think with Kirilov specifically, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting with him because like it seems like whenever he gets called up to the majors, everyone's like, oh, it must be his wrist is bothering him, and then he gets demoted to the minors and he hits and it's like does he have different wrists in the minors <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the wrists are the issue guys i don't know i'm just going out on a limb here i you know i think he's ready uh, i mean he looks like he's ready to me he's 24 uh he's got like he's got good power i really liked him coming into the year unfortunately you know he had a setback uh and then he got demoted and now he's you know He's hitting in the minors, but waiting for the uh, for the Twins. I don't know. I mean, I wish the Twins would move on from the whole Kepler nonsense. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, and honestly, Kepler hasn't even been that bad. But I wish they would move on from that Kepler uh, nonsense and let Kirilov play. Or even, like, Miranda to third. But then you have Ur- Ursula. It's a, I mean, it's a tough point. Like, it's like, who do you remove to put Kirilov in the lineup, it's not an easy, it's not an easy uh, solution for the Twins. So, you know, in their defense, I don't know, Correa comes back, Royce Lewis uh, it comes back healthy. Uh, I mean, where do you put Kirilov? I don't think he has an everyday job. I don't know. Maybe they trade him. And he, he works up his value in the minors, hits well at AAA, and they trade him maybe for an arm. Uh, I don't know. I, honestly, I have no clue. But I, I would stash him in an AL only if I had room. In a mixed league, I'm not stashing Kirilov at this point. I, I, unless you really – unless it's a deep mixed league and you have room on your bench. Otherwise, like, yeah, when he gets called up, I'll be interested. But right now, eh. I am sitting on Kirilov in way too many leagues because I, <laughs> I just – I, I've always been a fan of him, so I'm just yeah, sitting here waiting. I, like, I, I think I understand how Kirilov ended up on the uh, the podcast outline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want to hear good news? From I did, me. I did, I did. I wanted to tell me Nick Gordon doesn't belong in the lineup anywhere, and we can move on and put Alex yeah, Kirilov that's in. That's fair. Um, I mean, yeah, if you wanted to say that, that's hey. You know what? Fair enough. He's a different type of player. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean Gordon. If Gordon got benched indefinitely, sure, but I don't see it happening. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's like also with like Kepler's there. I mean, Kepler is gonna play. Larnack is there. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know where I don't know where Kirilov plays. Maybe maybe he does have room to play. I don't know. I don't I don't think he does though. Anyway, yeah. move on. Yeah, unfortunately, Kirilov has options and Gordon has none left. So the only way they're moving on from Gordon is really just to cut him or permanently resign him to the bench. And I just don't know if they're going to do that. 
All right, let's let's wrap up the show, Gray. We're getting a little bit long here. Uh, bullpen. Uh, I, first thing, I'm just going to ask: Are you worried about Rice Iglesias after him getting roughed up on Sunday night? I'll say real quick that Rossi Iglesias is a a great buy low right now. Like I immediately, if you take nothing away from this podcast, other than if you can trade for Rossi Iglesias, go and trade for him because his stats look great. He just got unlucky. He had, you know, he gave up. Okay. So he's giving up more homers than you want to see, but still, I mean, he's not a five ERA closer. I mean, his K per nine and his walk per nine look great. He, he looks fine. The angels aren't, the angel that's their closer. They're not going to they're not going to move away from him. And he doesn't really even have a guy behind him who is any like worth stashing. So, yeah, I mean, I would buy Rocio Iglesias if I could. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his numbers, it's really like three bad appearances and that's that's what it takes for a reliever. You have three bad appearances across, you know, the first month and a half of the season, two months. Like your numbers kind of turn into what Rysel Iglesias is right now, which is, like you said, 491. But, yes, I'm with you. I think he's a buy low. The Angels, he, he hasn't gotten saves because the Angels haven't been getting wins. Um, but, yes, I think all that turns around, and I think he'll be fine. Any other relievers you want to throw out there for our sag offers? Uh, you know, the Red Sox recently have been going with Tanner Hulk. I don't, I don't know if that sticks. I, I mean, it doesn't seem, doesn't seem likely to me because – I mean, he's able to go multiple innings, so why would you use him as a closer necessarily? But also, on the other hand, uh, O-T-O-H, the Red Sox have no one else. So, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he is their closer. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, he was the one other guy, really. I mean, then there's other, you know, the uh, Kitrich is back with Tampa. Um, Anthony Bass looks like the best guy in Miami, even though he's not getting saves. I don't. Yeah. I mean, other than, uh, you know, Iglesias was a big buy low. I think Tanner Hulk is a guy who I would pick up if he's available. Other than that, I, I think most of the bullpens are pretty stationary from last week. Okay. And if you're looking just this specific uh, first set, uh, Duran, Joan Duran, potentially, because uh, uh, the, the closer gives on the uh, – non-vaccinated list as they go to Toronto. So there's there's some potentially a save opportunity there. They just came, they just came back. From, I think they just Did came they, back. They might, the okay, maybe I'm mixing up my days. Yeah, you're, you're on the golf course too much during the weekend. That, that's very possible. <laughs> that's very possible. your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, how about some waiver wire, guys, and then we'll get out of here, Gray. Uh, okay, so um, Jose Miranda's been hitting going back to the Twins. Uh, I don't know if he continues to – have playing time once Royce Lewis gets healthy. But, yeah, Miranda was looking good. Um, Dan Pants wrote him up on Friday. Uh, there's also another twin. Nick Gordon's been looking good, uh, a guy who we want to get out of the lineup. Uh, I would probably look at Riley Green uh, right now, even in shallower leagues, because I think he's coming up soon. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes up this week um, at, at the latest – Maybe next week. I think Riley Green's primed, uh, and he's also—I mean—he's super talented. I think uh, Itch just—Itch just came out with his latest top twenty-five. I think Riley Green was ranked fifth overall for uh, rookies, um, and you know some of those guys aren't coming up this year, the top five. So, right, and Riley Green's about to come up. So I would stash him everywhere. Uh, 
And then Luis Garcia, uh, which Luis Garcia? Uh, let's see. Hmm. There's so many. Uh, Luis Garcia, will the, will the re- real Luis Garcia stand up? I think Luis Garcia at the Nationals is a, a solid grab in deeper leagues. But like we were talking earlier, if you're looking at like, you know, in some leagues, in like shallower uh, mixed leagues, like, Andres Jimenez is available. So Andre Andre Jimenez is available. So like him or Luis Garcia, I, I mean, I would just go Jimenez if he's available, like in a shallow league. But if you're in a deeper league, Luis Garcia, Bryson Stott, guys we mentioned earlier, Ezekiel Duran, you know, there's there's a bunch of guys uh, that are, ooh, did my voice crack? There's a bunch of guys there that are uh, – are probably worth looking at if you're struggling, uh, you know, at MI. And uh, Miranda was a corner man. For outfield, ah, I mean, there's there hasn't – not a, a like Jesus, Jesus Sanchez has been hot. Um, it kind of depends on the league, really. Uh, anyone you got beat on? Uh, I had Jesus Sanchez. He's kind of in a platoon, so you have to – it's a daily league type of guy. Uh, Taylor Trammell is somebody who I've, I've always kind of liked from a prospect – perspective and he's getting playing time and he's he's doing okay uh aristides aquino a donkey teeth favorite uh he's back in the lineup <laughs> and, and getting uh he's actually doing okay um devin smelter matt swarmer jacob judas or J- josiah gray some arms that you could potentially grab if you're looking for some some deeper names or some streamers uh i think that's all uh all swarmer, i got for now swarmer actually swarmer and steel do you so do you watch it dubbed or do you use subtitles? I I like shawarma and steel, but I I have to do the I have to do the dubbing. It's too much to read for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think on that one, Gray will get out of here. Uh, at Razball for Gray, at Razball on for me. If you have anything specific, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, lads. Valentine's Day isn't just about who you love, but what you love. And if you love learning about history, innovation, exploration, and true stories that will leave you inspired, then you have to get to the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. You'll find three floors filled with treasures from the Revolution to today. You can even drop in the museum store and get a gift for that special someone. Parking and admission are free. For tickets, visit usarmymuseum.org. That's usarmymuseum.org. Okay, let's see what's news today. Uh, the morning paper blues, huh? Oh, bad, bad, worse. Oh, wait. Uh-oh. No, good news. The General Assembly in Richmond is working on a law to help Dominion Energy customers. If it passes, it's going to lower the cost of electricity. Uh, let me see. Right here. Wow, you're right. It saves Dominion Energy customers at least $350 million. Is it law? Mm, not yet, but I sure hope it passes. Great. Now pass me the comics. Legislation being considered by the Virginia General Assembly strengthens regulatory oversight and saves customers at least $350 million. That means a savings of about 6 to $7 a month for the average residential user, according to the State Corporation Commission, the agency that regulates utilities in Virginia. It's common sense rate relief that helps us continue doing what we do best, meeting the needs of our customers. To take action, visit Dominion. 
dominionenergy.com forward slash rate relief. Paid for by Dominion Energy.